Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. Regarding women and girls cricket and today uh, we're thrilled and delighted to welcome Caroline Foster uh, to the podcast. Caroline is the sport performance and wellbeing coach at Wellington School. Um, you will probably know her, her better, uh, those cricket uh, aficionados listening as a World Cup winner with England women. Uh, and she's also got uh, to her, um, a string to her bow. She's a level four ECB qualified coach. So hi and welcome, Caroline. Hello, Tom, and thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure and you've not even sworn yet. So, <laughs> so uh, the very first question that we always ask our, our guests is to take us back to when you first started getting involved or you had that first experience of cricket uh, so if you could describe or explain that for for the benefit of our listeners that would be that would be fantastic yeah sure I'm, I'm, I reckon the first experience would have been in the back garden with uh, my dad and my two older brothers most likely um, but certainly the first memory I can um, think back to more vividly is going to the local cricket club with my two older brothers and being really welcomed there, um, despite being standing out for being the only girl, um, I was really welcomed, and they made a big effort to, you know, make sure that my experience was enjoyable. Which I think that's a good starting point for all coaches, really. And um, they did get a bit baffled by the fact that it was—I must have been eight or nine years old—and it was straight into like an under eleven sort of boys hardball. Um, scenario so of course they concern themselves with uh, what protective equipment I would need and um, uh, not long into my illustrious Burgess Hill Cricket Club career I was um, given a box to wear I didn't really know what to do with it um, I must at some point have had some cricket whites put, put it down there and it ended up down my trouser leg so that was certainly a memorable uh, experience and, and one that stands out for being a female in a, in a maybe a boys-dominated environment at the time. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing um, politely, but uh, I have seen that happen, um, you know, with, 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 a, with, a, with, with another uh, young uh, you know, girl cricketer and, uh, and her kind of being a bit perplexed as to what on earth was this uh, piece of equipment for. But, but yeah, so... Um, but very hospitable, um, but uh, perhaps not that knowledgeable. Yeah, well, just different. Just prepared to um, uh, break new ground and be welcoming and find out, well, we've got a girl she wants to play, let's get her involved. And I've got a lot to thank them for, really, for that. And I'll, I'll remember that. And Barry Holmes, that co coach back in that day, where not just my brothers and my dad and my parents, both parents, um, encouraging me, but, yeah, the boys in the... In the team and and the coaches in that setup, they were brilliant, really. So, so what what was it that stood out for you in terms of that welcome? Because um, I think, you know, from previous uh, chats that we've had, it's not always been the case, um, and I think it's really great to he hear of examples where it has been uh, the case that that you know, you've been welcomed with open arms, even if you are the only girl. So, so was there anything in particular that stood out in terms of uh, that welcome, that hospitality? Uh, not really, and I think because, you know, I'm approaching 40 now, so it's a while ago, and I, I think um, I think I look back at it as sort of like, um, you know, from the age of 8 to sort of 16, playing all the way through the ages, and I, I kind of cluster that memory in one in terms of the friendships I made and the, the atmosphere that was created, and 
and just like treated like one of the team, no, no different. And um, it, uh, yeah, I, I look back really fondly. I'm very, with a lot of gratitude actually, because obviously the game's given me so much that it's lucky I had such a positive experience when I first, you know, stepped into the field of cricket. Was it was it your brothers who did they already play? Yeah, a little bit. They, um, I've actually, they're more football and rugby players, but um, they they both had a go at cricket. And my older brother did go on and play um, Scottish Universities cricket. He's quite handy, but it was also he, he was always more interested in how well I was doing. To be honest, he was very supportive that way. And um, my other brother just got into to rugby more. I think that's just a reflection of what sport he he liked when he went to school. So a sporty family, um, and you were the younger one. So um, between eight and sixteen, then. So how did things progress for you from a club you know, perspective? That with that initial amusing anecdote um, put put firmly behind you, but then uh, getting on the pathway. What happened? How did that all develop? Yeah, I just remember making friends, and, and actually by the time I was in the sort of under fourteen, under fifteen team, a friend had joined me in the team. So when I say a friend, I mean there was another girl. I wasn't the only girl anymore. Um, interestingly, my dad owned the camera shop opposite the park where we played cricket, and um, I do remember getting smacked over my head, one bounce in the road into the side of my dad's shop, and it was lucky it wasn't at least to the side, otherwise it would have broken his front window. <laughs> But, um, yeah, lots of things that just make that my local cricket club, my friends, like long-lasting relationships and like happy memories. And there must have been something good about it for the way that it also helped develop my skills, not just my love of the game, because I was able to then, um, when Dad took me along to the Sussex trials, I was able to, I say break into the county team, but if I'm completely honest... I do think there was only enough people that turned up to trials to make a team at that time, or roughly, you know, that sort of number. So that just shows how, how far the game's gone. Nonetheless, really proud of my um, Sussex playing jumpers and all the years I spent playing, representing uh, grasshoppers and under-15s and 17s and 19s and all the way through to the, to the senior counting team. And that was very special. Who did you make your debut against um, in the senior county team? Probably was Yorkshire. and um, do, do you know, I remember the pitch and I remember being at um, Cambridge and it, it would have been York, Yorkshire because we just for some reason always drew them on the first day of county champs where we used to play five days straight of um, county... Yeah, our county championships were decided by... Uh, one week in Cambridge, five fifty-eight games back to back. No injuries, no physios. Just get on with it and uh, bowl fifty overs if you're a bowler. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was was an all-rounder, so I've got to do a bit of both, but not too much of one. Um, yeah, and it was really good fun. Um, again, like I said, like some really good friendships. Not not just actually in our team, but also it was, it was good, friendly, but competitive cricket going on and and teams all stayed in Cambridge and bumped into each other and it was the highlight of the season it's obviously much better organised now where we play proper county championships throughout the season head to heads and and home away but um, yeah I'm sure people who have ever played in the county championships of times gone by will will also look back at 
what brilliant pitches we played on as well to be honest those um college pitches at cambridge were, were awesome and um and just the it just felt like an elite competition at the time and it and it was at the time yeah um i i, I wasn't aware of that until uh, one of the previous um people we chatted with uh, spoke about that very same kind of event um at cambridge and, and they were also very complimentary about the facilities the, the playing facilities uh, but also saying that it was you know it was quite relentless because it was uh, back to back games and um there weren't there weren't really many uh, there wasn't really much of a, a time to recuperate um but uh, but nonetheless a, a very um, a very proud uh, occasion especially uh, when making your debut i'm sure yeah, well, I was I was pretty young. I, I can't remember if I was twelve or thirteen. It was like really young because at the time. Sorry, I lost you. Lost you there for a second there uh, with the technology issues, but uh, I got you back. Um, but yeah, twelve, twelve to thirteen was incredible. Like you rightly say, is very very young. Um, but um, but obviously you you. Uh, you did well. You moved on. So, so how did things progress for you uh, from from there, sort of beyond the age of uh, sixteen and getting involved uh, then in sort of England call ups and stuff? How did that all come to pass? Um, so at county level, you you played for your county team, and then at some point they had like junior England uh, sort of regional type tournaments where you could um, play for a team, and it was regional. We played for the South at first. Uh, but later that developed into just getting the best like squad of 50 players in the country and lobbing them in four different squads to make a balanced sort of uh, best be best competition. And we called that Super Fours. Um, but to be honest, I think it was a lot of fun to play for the South and, and feel like you're you're representing where you're from, uh, which is why I think I love this regional structure we've got going on now. I, I know there'll be some player movement going forward about, you know, especially now it's professional and people will chase contracts and respond to opportunities in different regions. Uh, but looking back at uh, years gone by, we used the regional structure to, to see more players um, at the next level of the pyramid. And then from there, they, they chose a, a junior England squad. And I was fortunate enough to be picked in the England under-17s. So that was my first, um, that was probably where the penny dropped for me um, maybe a couple of years after it, we fallen for my dad that I could end up playing for England one day, um, and perhaps I should think and pursue and plan for that sort of success. And obviously, I was I could you know, we'll talk on about all the support I've had that made that made that possible. Um, certainly, I don't think it's a coincidence. It's produced a lot of um, international cricketers over the time because Claire Connor, the captain. Uh, was instrumental and really helpful in like you understanding the game better and, and, and therefore playing it better. But also in, in that environment, you get to train with other people who push you harder, being at that better standard. So, yeah, that was it. Went from Sussex to, to Junior England, um, England Academy, and then also the MCC provided international fixtures as well. Because if you're playing for the MCC, you could play in the warm up games. Of, the international touring team came over. Uh, I remember Sussex jokes because we were a bit arrogant and we had a reputation for being arrogant, so this won't help that. But uh, we'd won the county championship by winning five games in a, on the trot and then afterwards played South Africa because they were over to play England shortly after the county champs. And um, we beat them, but then we said, well, 
they're going to need to find a continent for us to play next year. <laughs> but we were just being <laughs> a bit too arrogant, really. Just getting on, getting ahead of ourselves. Six days, maybe we were tired. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the progress was fairly linear, I guess. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of um, uh, regression until I'd already got into the England team, and then I got dropped. So, but it was fairly, what would I say, smooth smooth sailing almost to to get up into the England team. Um, I was well supported, had lots of opportunities. Um, part of development programs at various times. Uh, obviously, the, my time at Durham University was really pivotal. I, I deliberately chose that university because it had a cricket centre of excellence. And at the time I went to uni, it was the only one. So uh, Graham Fowler is another name that uh, resonates with my cricketing story because he he did so much for me. He was the first coach really to coach me as a as an individual player. I know now it's all been it's always coach the the player not the sport sort of thing, but I think looking back he he might have been the first coach to really want to understand like what makes you tick and and how to get the best out of yourself and um, it was refreshing and maybe I didn't appreciate it at the time or didn't really know what was going on but I thought it was brilliant and I became a much better player while I was at university and that's when I made my debut whilst at a a student. Who was that against, uh, Caroline? Um, I made my debut at home against Australia, um, and I remember being at Shenley for a test match, and I literally was <laughs> bawling my eyes out in the changing room about 15 minutes before we were going to go out to bat. Um, and bear in mind, Australia have the fastest bowlers in the world. <laughs> One that hisses on their way into the crease. <laughs> um, I really need to dry my eyes. But it was emotional because it was a long, a long journey. Although I, I painted a picture of it being easy, I guess I got a lot of support. I wanted to do well. I, I was getting enough success to keep me going, and I was making enough progress. And and yeah, and it didn't feel like hard work because it's not a sacrifice. It's what something you really want to do. Um, so there I am, sat in the change room, and my teammate says, "You're gonna have to dry your eyes out. You're gonna bat in a minute. You won't be able to see through those tears." And, yeah, somehow I pulled myself together, and albeit the 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 ten runs I scored off like 144 balls was not um, illustrious. It wasn't amazing, but it is a testament to the way that I was able to concentrate and and prove to myself that I could that I could develop at that level. You know that I I was good enough to to keep um, the two world's best strike bowlers out and. And, and annoy them long enough to get a fair bit of abuse, but um, also just, yeah, prove that actually I may belong in an England shirt. So let's let's see where I can go with this. Um, I, I'm I'm smiling, uh, which the listeners won't be able to tell, but I'm smiling because Caroline, as she tells that story, even though uh, she's talking about herself crying, was also smiling. I think perhaps uh, reminiscent of the hissing sound of one of the Australian bowlers. Uh, but uh, I wonder what noise she made when she couldn't get you out and you were in there for 140 odd balls. I, I, I dread to think maybe that's something you, you might not want to uh, broadcast. But um I was going to ask you, from a parental perspective, you, you've alluded to um, the fact that you had a lot of support along the way and, and that played a big part in um, in your success. Um, I think you, you're being very modest there, but you did uh, reference that support. So from, from your parents' point of view, um, 
you know you're 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 a mum now yourself um i i'm a parent of two sporty uh, lads sometimes it's incredibly stressful for uh, the parent perhaps more so than the the child um was that something ever that was on your radar or was it just um you know uh, absolutely plain sailing they just support you however they could whenever they could wherever they could uh, yeah I was, I was really lucky like because mum and dad are quite different and I think it's important when you can recognize um what who who's part of your support network and, and what they get, can offer you and then as you get older you do it instinctively but I would go to my mum if, if I needed picking up, if I needed a bit of self-confidence or, or just if, if I just wanted it not to be about cricket and just, you know, just feel loved or, or whatever. Um, if you if I wanted to go to a, maybe a more critical parent, I could go to my dad and get a full-blown account, ball by ball. I mean, even if you ask him now, he'll remember my bowling figures from the under-15 local match from Burgess against Style or something. So... <laughs> Yeah, he certainly had a vested interest in cricket, but I don't think I ever sensed a massive amount of pressure. I remember regretting that I got recalled to the England Test team just through injury, and they were out in Australia, and this was the last game I ended up playing for England in 2010 or 2011, I think it was. And I said to Dad, I don't want him to fly all the way out there. And I, it was only because I just... I just couldn't face the fact that he might fly out there and I do badly. And it's just such a long way to go. But now I'm older, I think, God, it's just their choice, you know. That if parents want to do that, they they should be allowed to obviously be welcome to follow it. But obviously he respected that I possibly wasn't that great or I wasn't ready for the pressure or I was putting more pressure on myself than I needed. Um, as it turned out, I didn't do very well. But I don't know if Dad being there would have made... A difference either way I just think um, now I'm a parent you think actually you just you want your kids to do well you want yeah of course you do but you really above all else just want to be a part of it and I remember um, playing in a test match at Shenley against India this time and it rained the first day and bear in mind I opened the batting I've wasted a lot of emotional energy just getting ready to open the batting or ready for the toss we didn't know we were going to bat but it rained all day, and then it rained all day the next day, and then it rained all day the third day, and I was like, well, we're not playing this test match because it's a four-day match, and we've lost it, lost the play. But um, they changed it to a one-day international and then dropped me uh, because I score my runs too slowly, which absolutely is fair enough, but I remember that being quite a, a tough um, thing to deal with, and I said to my mum and dad, I, I need you to come up. I said, you're not going to see me play cricket, but I need to see you now. Um, and they're, of course, like that, no questions asked. They're there on the side of the pitch, like offering that support. And um, I think I think that's really important. And I, and I think it's also good that I've had two older brothers, and we come just from a competitive family. So so whilst there were times that I definitely needed picking up, there are also lots of times where they they pushed me, and it's been brilliant. Um, like my. my my eldest brother is particularly good at sort of a mentoring type capacity and, and like um, I could I could talk to him now about my career or, or like then about cricket and um, he'd just ask good questions and, and get you thinking and, and I just think now that I understand a little bit more about um, the structure of a support network and your cheerleaders and, and you know your wise old owls and 
and uh, maybe your, your critical people that uh, and challenges that I, I can see it now that I had that I had that all catered for just just literally in my family so uh, yeah really important and I mean on the flip side I know that they've really enjoyed uh, the cricket career that I ended up having as well so so you know whilst I'm very grateful I will say no they're also quite grateful that it, it panned out the way it did. Yeah, and I, I think that's um, that's lovely to hear that there's you know there's uh, appreciation uh, and enjoyment on on both sides. But um, uh, I know I know that uh, people who know me, um, I've got some quite strong views on uh, on parenting and, and allowing allowing children just to find out for themselves. However keen you are to support, um, you know, support can be shown in lots of different ways. And I think in uh, in cricket, one of the the things that I'm least a fan of is a is a parent standing. Um, right uh, behind the bowler's arm whether they're watching their son or daughter bat or bowl but you know they are literally scrutinizing every ball and you know that's a that's a big no-no for me um and i i think that you know all all clubs and county setups um in junior cricket that i've experienced do their best to try to welcome parents to be that supportive um resource but uh you know make it i think the better ones make it clear that you know trust the coaches or the teachers uh, to you know do their job uh, to to help the the kids uh, and leave you know leave the the parenting to the parents um, and that's very difficult at times when you've got uh, very strong willed very opinionated uh, mums and dads who think they know best but uh, but such is life eh? yeah it's definitely one of the challenges for for coaches because you you want their insights you need their intel about um, their daughters about like how they are in, at that time or, or what else might be going on um you obviously want their support and their massive influence on their on their children so um there i have seen heard examples where uh, they've brought parents into the, the huddle and uh they've got them involved in feedback lesson sessions and, and and things like that and it sounds brilliant I, I find it quite daunting myself to think that i would have a parent in a in a huddle um and I, I can't see it. I can see it changing the dynamics, but perhaps in a positive way because um, you, we're asking for their trust to, to to take care of their daughter and, and like look after their best interests in, in the development of their sport. So really, what can we do to earn that trust? And, and probably uh, not just sharing the plans and, and offering really insightful feedback at times, but actually engaging with them in the atmosphere and how we set the the climate and what we do in the environment it, it probably pays dividends the fact that I'm at school now more than an elite environment um, since learning all these things um, means that I do talk to the parents at, at, at school matches and, and I do encourage them to to cheer on um, effort and and praise the, the whole team and, and we've got some brilliant parents actually at school that, that do do that yeah and I, I think um, I think though if you if you set the the parameters um you know and be very open and upfront i think most parents respect that don't they and, and uh, they will um go hand in hand with what you what your what the boundaries are and what um what structure you've set in place uh, and I, I think you know in terms of what you've just described there at, at wellington school and in, in encouraging the support of every player um and especially uh, to recognize effort um is absolutely what it's all about um what i was going to ask you Looking back, um, when you were still playing for England, um, 
what what do you know now that you didn't know then that you wish you knew then? I played a good question. I, I played um, cricket with Aaron Brindle and Sarah Thompson. Um, they both and Laura Laura um, McLeod. Um, they both they've all three come back to to cricket and played better since having children. And um, it's I have played cricket since having Lawrence, but not very well. Um, <laughs> Just the uh, the perspective it gives you, and like just everyone who's a parent will relate to that. But everyone who's sort of like realised or found perspective in other ways can relate to it too. But when you're when you're young and you're pursuing this lifelong ambition, um, when you get dropped and it's taken away from you, it, it felt like the world had like the like whole part of me had gone. And um, and equally, actually, when I I, I never retired. Uh, from international cricket, I just got dropped and I couldn't I couldn't play again through not meeting the standards of, of the team. So, so for me, you you kind of lose a bit of your identity there, and or, or you can do because you wrap it up so much in what you do rather than who you are. And and um, I, I did find that tough, and I, I think I still wrestle with that at times. And I, I notice that when we talk about cricket, or I, I I bring up memories or see people that I used to have that time with. Um, my sort of body language changes and the way I think about myself changes straight away. Like you suddenly just get a little bit, I don't know, broader backed, a bit taller and you just think, yeah, yeah, I'm back in that sort of environment where I was part of a team and we were doing really well. And um, it, it does affect your self-esteem and, and, and your self-confidence and, and I guess really your self-worth. But that's not a necessarily healthy way to be to to wrap yourself up in, in performance, especially because that will always go up and down and one wants um, much more consistency and much more robustness about them, how you think about yourself. Um, but certainly, I think it's different for the players that sort of reach the end of their careers at a time of their choosing. It, it must be different to then move on to something else, but mine was much more of a, a you know, I pride myself on the fact that I work really hard and I... I, I tried to get the best out of my talent all the time and and I wasn't prepared to give up even though I, I knew deep down that I wasn't good enough anymore. But uh, despite accepting that, I thought that doesn't stop me thinking that maybe one day it'll be different. So, yeah, I think if, to answer your question, perspective would be a, a massive thing to go back and play the game with. Um, a little bit more emotional control and, and more um, attention towards the language of, of my self-talk or the way I, I speak to other people. I would have preferred a lot more bravery in the um, in the reflections or, or when we review games. I think sometimes I, I was quick to take responsibility and, and assume that any sort of defeat was all my fault. Um, I wish I'd ha had better balance in that regard and not not that I would want to blame other people but I don't think it ever helped me that, that much to think we lost that game it's because I scored too slowly at the start um I feel like it would have been better to go back and and just turn it into the positive or the, the areas of growth rather than um the negative and actually a teammate at Sussex read my sort of cricket diary once for me and she said to me that she she actually went on to become a an international hockey umpire um and she uh said reading this it's too negative you're you're there, there isn't a lot of balance 
like you're not giving yourself enough credit and I definitely adopt that approach in school I said like yeah I can hear you um self-criticizing um and we do it a lot to ourselves all the time but I must hear you give yourself credit otherwise if you can imagine your your line your crease is your line of content if you go back into space the next ball and all you've done between balls is just tell yourself that should have gone for four but when you hit it for four you don't say well done great shot you're only ever going to go in one direction and that direction is not helpful so I wish I could go back with some more uh, I don't know the, the psychological skills the perspective um maybe that would give a bit more freedom because if one thing about my career um, that definitely stands out for room for improvement would be the scoring rate. And I watch the game now and I see them smash the ball out of the park and I think that, I mean, no discredit to the people that played the game before me, but there wasn't really that inspiration or, or, or those role models in women's cricket. So now I think it's really exciting and players are given a lot more sort of freedom and expectation as well to to clear the ropes and hit big and, and, and score for every ball with 2020 being a dominant force as well. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> frighteningly though, if I did start playing the game now, would I ever be good enough? And would I swap all those brilliant moments in the game, like my, risk my World Cup medal to have another go? I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's interesting. I do think I could have been a better player. Actually, just meeting um, Steph Jones and working at, at school with Steph whether I could have ever been a faster bowler. Definitely could have been faster if I'd done the athletic development that we give the kids now at school and if, I, if I'd le- learned or knew about bowling what he knew and, um, and like wanted to be a fast bowler. I did always try and be express in the, in the nets, but it never, ever came out past sort of 60 mile an hour. So, n- not through lack of effort, though. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a whole bunch of... Um... Uh, self-reflections there that I think for anybody listening um, at any stage in their, their career particularly uh, younger and kind of just finding their themselves in the game um, there's some very very wise words there and, and, I, and I think it's also fair to say that when you are younger um, it you, you don't really have that um, that focus that mindset that uh, that sense of perspective or self-awareness um, one, one of the things I'm really keen to try and help uh, youngsters in cricket um, develop is their own self-awareness um, good and bad but particularly focus more on the good um, because we are as you know in, in this country we're very very good at um, being self-critical um, and being ultra modest uh, it's interesting to hear you say today you know you've mentioned your your slow scoring rate you know three or four times uh, but you haven't um, done the same on the flip side uh, giving yourself credit uh, equally in equal measure for things that you clearly have done well because it's not you know there's not every day you um, you can uh, walk down the street and meet somebody who's who's got a, a World Cup winning medal so you know so uh, whilst your scoring rate might not have been the fastest um, clearly you reached a, a level uh, which warranted um you know some success at that very highest level which then um you know i suppose you you'll you'll always remember you'll always have that world cup winning medal uh, to look back on but yeah you, you still seem perhaps to have that that little uh, chimp on your shoulder if you've read stephen peter's book the chimp paradox you'll know what i mean um and uh, and foxy fowler if you if he was one of your mentors i mean he's he's you know he's 
very, very well um, placed to be able to, to help with uh, positive self-talk in terms of his own uh, challenges that he's had with his own mental health. So, uh, And cricket is one of those games, I think, which challenge, that challenges the mind. Uh, perhaps, um, I, I don't know whether this is unfair to other sports, but partic- I know you say you're an all-rounder, but as a, as a batsman, uh, from a batsman's perspective in particular, I think it's one of those sports that challenges the mind more than most uh, in a team environment, I mean. Um, you know, individual sports like swimming or tennis or golf, you have to be incredibly mentally robust um, because it's only you. But in cricket, you've got you know ten other teammates to help you out. But when it when it's when it's only you against the, I, I won't mention the word again, but that Australian fastest bowler, it's just you against her, and and you know it's only one person's going to come out on top. So. Um, the fear of failure sometimes, especially going back to youngsters, the fear of failure prevents them from performing in match situations. Whereas in in a training situation where there's not so much pressure, um, then um, you know you, the performance levels can be up. And and I'm really interested in how to try and make that consistency, um, or 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 allow an an, uh, an environment, create an environment where that consistency can flourish. Um, and I think the psychological approach to the game is huge. Yeah, it is. And I think, like you say about self-awareness, it's, it's critical. And actually, interestingly, we do do a lot of self-awareness at, and we use the chimp management book, in fact, in school. Um, and, I, and I think it serves anyone well, whether they're going to be invested in sport or, or otherwise. Uh, but equally, I love the sort of grassroots games that kind of overcome a little bit of fear of failure where... Um, you're in a team and maybe you're playing the loser bat game where you come up and your turn to bat is you hit it but you get caught out the team lose the bat but they don't lose you as a player that you carry on coming around and that's so much better because you're like encouraging a positive experience for everyone in the group but also they, they're starting to deal already with um like my success or, or my failure is actually our success our failure mm. um so you win some, you lose some, but you're you're a team, mm. and I think I love cricket for that. That you're an individual in a team sport, mm. um, and you can get you do get to stand out, uh, and you do get to um, still go back to the dressing room and share it. It's brilliant. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's uh, absolutely one hundred percent why I think um, all of us, uh, many more certainly many of us, love the game of cricket for for those very reasons. So, so tell us tell us a little bit more about your your role uh, or or how things uh, did progress beyond playing then so um I hadn't appreciated that your international career ended in the way which it did so what what happened beyond playing then how did you find your your calling and your vocation beyond the playing days yeah so I took a, a chance to shine contract and I was reluctant at first I was in the second wave of contracts because I didn't want my whole life to be cricket and I, I knew already that there needed to be a bit of balance. But like Ebony said to me, it is not it will not feel like cricket when you're in school coaching. It is not the same thing as your own cricket and it isn't. And actually I do credit those games of, you know, non stop cricket and things to a, a really good season of catching because the kids throw you the ball back and they're terrible at throwing sometimes. <laughs> So you've got to be pretty good at like, keeping up some loose throws uh, with a smile on your face and, and an encouraging outlook, obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously. There's always that one kid who stands right next to you that you can't budge <laughs> and move away from, but bless them, they're brilliant. Uh, I did enjoy it and I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. So um, 
uh, from then onwards, I, I just I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I didn't. I was. I'm so interested in coaching people, though. I, I'm not actually too wrapped up in it being cricket. So I do jo- enjoy my job. I do get to coach um, hockey, netball, cricket, and I spend some time in the classroom doing our emotional and mental health uh, for our wellbeing program. I also spend a lot of time alongside some really good SNC experts. So. Um, I felt I feel like they keep me up to date without me putting in any effort. Actually, just just watching them work, and I I just know the the, the drills and the exercises and the games we play with kids to help their game conditioning and their athletic development. Um, I, yeah, I'm really proud to be a part of that environment that took along really well. Uh, the emotional and mental health side's been been really interesting for me, and actually I'm going to do it. I, I'm a nearing completion of a psychology masters because I do want to go in that direction. Um, and I'm interested in what the current coaching practices are in the talent pathway of women's cricket for attending to mental health because I think a lot of what we do is quite expert opinion led and and I'll do things because um, I don't know because a a coach like Foxy Fowler does it or or an expert does it a different expert or online you've seen it and you just copy best practice but not very often do, do, do coaches actually talk that long in depth about theories leading practice um, and I think in particular with mental health, we're, we're the same. We, we would rely on personal experience or, or like passed on knowledge from other experts. And sometimes we're at loss to as to what to do. I find it really frightening in school how um, high uh, the prevalence of mental health issues and struggles are. And I think obviously the pandemic is not going to help that. So um, I, I really want to be a part of helping people uh, lead, you know. Well, what, what, I don't know how to describe it. Just, just more fulfilling and uh, meaningful, and and just days, you know, where days aren't struggles. They're they're something to look forward to. That that sort of optimism and positivity, and bring that back to people's lives when when actually it can. You know, what these kids face these days, are, I think, it's much harder than how we had it. So whilst the game's so much better supported, I do feel that. Like if we're talking about women's cricket in particular, the the pressure they're under is so much more, and not just actually in cricket, but in their academic. You know, there just seems to be a weight of expectations on on young people these days that um, I'd like to be a part of. Uh, uh, you know, taking the pressure off them actually. Or, or Julian White says there's no such thing as pressure; it just sort of demands, and it's how you perceive them. So, um, but yeah, certainly reframing things and and. Uh, giving people more confidence. I don't, no, I don't. I don't like to go over the top with praise, but but I like it to be genuine. And I I would credit myself in the fact that when I'm working with the players, I can quite easily be drawn to their their positive aspects and their strengths, and and I'm quite happy to to make someone feel uncomfortable actually listening to them. I think they should get comfortable listening to like their their strong points and and and. as well it doesn't have to be out loud in front of everyone because I know girls in particular are probably less inclined to um, give themselves too much credit out loud yeah but I, I we'll have to speak offline because all those things I, I'm massively um, drawn to and um, you know involved with a, a number of different things um, but but yeah I, th- I think recognition um, where recognition is um, is due is absolutely fundamental um, for for kids to uh, to to ensure that they 
they feel um, happy and comfortable um, and, and then as a result of that more confident uh, but I don't mean getting to the stage of arrogance uh, but but at least again that word used earlier things in perspective uh, so when when someone does something well then absolutely I feel as though that that should be especially for kids in sport because sport has got so many opportunities to give recognition if you choose to ignore those opportunities I, I, I think that's you know unforgivable really from a coach's point of view um, but you also touched on earlier that that effort I think it's it's um, you know teachers teachers up and down the country will uh, be uh, shout, shouting at shouting out at down the uh, the podcast channel saying it's it's all about effort and application it's not about performance again like you said earlier and uh, that that's what should be recognized and I agree with that it's so on a cricket field uh, with um, with 11 junior under 13s you're going to have some that are naturally more athletically capable than others but ev- if everybody tries their hardest for each other and for the team then that that for me is what um, you know the kind of environment you're trying to create um, and, and, and allow each individual to, to play their part and, and give be given recognition for it yeah absolutely I, can, I couldn't agree more just just elicit, like encouraging that growth mindset and, and actually with athletic development like showing them the progress I mean we do like to test them at school um, and like get encourage them to compare themselves to their their previous test rather than to everyone else and you know classic examples really of um, Cal Dweck's sort of growth mindset reward the effort and, yeah. and if you are going to measure things you know make it about their well-being and, and uh, just a real marker for for the program if it's working or not and um, yeah and like highlight the progress they're making and say this is because you've put in all this effort yeah one 100 percent and uh yeah, uh, if you've, uh, I'm a huge um, advocate of Carol Dweck's research as well, and uh, I'm sure you've probably read um, some of her uh, literature, but you may also have read Matthew Said's stuff, and he he credits um, Carol Dweck's work in that area quite extensively. And uh, one of the books that uh, springs to mind that um, a lot of schools now have taken on board to try to, uh, to try to help alleviate that pressure environment especially with with, with with regards to to exams but also in terms of sport is is his, his book called you are awesome and uh, i mean i've spoken at um, t- a number of schools um about trying to develop a more positive um attitude towards pressure and to, to create a much more balanced uh, well-being environment and and I've, I've i've mentioned that book because i think it does whilst it's written for both adults and children um i think it's it's, and it's quite quite simple in it in its uh, in its methodology or its thinking. It's very very effective in, in just remembering that you can put away or keep at arm's length those uh, that negative self talk and be more mindful and be more um, cognizant of positive self talk. Um, and and that that's got to be helpful for for everybody, not just kids, especially in this year. Yeah. Yeah. I- Totally agree, and actually, Matthew Sides, one who cites himself that hey, when he started his writing career, it wasn't brilliant writing, and how much better he's got just through the practice, and and that like it, it exudes out of his writing every time. And I do like those practical exercises where you just um, give it an idea, and it's a simple sheet of paper, and you know, like like we did at school, for example, uh, just write down three things that you're grateful for. Mm. Let's all be more grateful. Mm. It's um, the thing almost prominent predictor of well-being so and you can cultivate it so let's do it and and just those really easy um you know we're not 
breaking ground for coming up with our, our own ideas all the time, but actually we're just delivering what works and, you know, these people like Matthew Slide who've, um, yeah, made it really accessible for everyone. Yeah. Well, I'm very grateful and I'm sure uh, the listeners who uh, will be... Um, We'll be paying attention to this podcast. Are very grateful for you giving us your time and your um your thoughts and observations and comments on, um on your your connection and relationship to to the game of cricket, um from that very first time that you, uh, you went along with your brothers to uh, to that local club all the way through to playing for England women and being a World Cup winner, and now in your capacity uh, where you can influence and shape, uh, the future of of youngsters within a school environment. So. Um, Caroline, thank you ever so much uh, for all your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. As a reminder, each Cricket Coach 365 podcast will be released every Friday at 6pm on Spotify and Apple Play. After listening, please leave us a positive review on Spotify and share it with your friends and contacts. You can also follow us on Instagram at cricket underscore coach 365. Have a great day.